the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. God's righteousness is a living, breathing person who died for us, who will live forever as our great high priest. And God is not looking for a better reason to save you and me than Jesus. That's Pastor Michael Oxentenko, and this is Reaching Your Heart. Here at Reaching Your Heart, we believe that God answers prayer. If you need prayer, you can call at any time, 24-7, 888-244-HOPE. That's 888-244-4673. Someone is standing by right now to take your phone call. Today's Reaching Your Heart with Pastor Michael Oxentenko is entitled The Kingdom Confession. That's The Kingdom Confession, and you can find it online at reachingyourheart.com. Here's our pastor teacher, Michael Oxentenko, with today's Reaching Your Heart. Let's have a word of prayer. Dear Father, we are grateful today that as we stand here before you and we kneel before you and we gather in your presence, that you're with us. We're grateful for Jesus, the Son of God, who gave himself on our behalf. May we take another look at what it means to be represented by you in the judgment. In Jesus' name, amen. You know, when I think of the judgment, I think of what it means to stand before a perfect God with the clear memory that I have not been perfect many times in my life. Can you resonate with that? I mean, really, to stand before God's holiness and to know that I don't measure up to it in the purest sense, and God is holy 100%, that if I look at my life and I realize that there are blotches on it, that's a scary thought in light of the judgment. To be found in the presence of pure light and to know that darkness has been within me at times, to know that I have not been pure at times, to know that I have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God at times, is a terrifying feeling if you take the judgment seriously. And when I thought about that idea long enough of what my sinful imperfections have meant for the judgment day, it really brought raw fear into my life. Has anyone here been there before with me? Have you ever had a sleepless night where you've struggled with that feeling in your life? Maybe you've been there and maybe you have looked into the mirror of God's law of perfection and maybe you have seen the spots in your own life and you say, woe is me. How can I stand before God in the last days and how can I stand before the judgment bar of God? It was revealed in the news that scientists were recently asked to contribute to a BBC4 documentary soon to be aired that is entitled, Can Science Make Me Perfect? Now, in the judgment day, you want to be perfect. You don't want to have a flaw in your life. And so here's this interesting question. Friend, we live in an age of narcissism. We live in an age where people want to be loved to an extreme. And who wouldn't want to be perfect? It's probably a noble thing in and of itself. And yet it can be taken to such an extreme that perfection can be viewed as imperfection. You know, we're taught as little children by good parents to get things right and to learn to do them better and to strive for all the good that we can be in the sight of God. And that's a good thing. We want good morals in the church. 
And we have even heard the scripture quoted out of context so often because if you quote this scripture without understanding what it means, you can give the wrong impression. Be ye perfect. You know how it reads. Be ye perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect. As Paul says in Romans 7, thus the law misunderstood can be manipulated by the self-righteous to become an agent of sin to deceive. I'm sure the Pharisees had no problem liking those words of Jesus. And so, as we strive to be good believers, as we strive to be obedient in the church, as we strive to grow, we can come to believe the serpent's lie, like Eve at the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, that we have become little gods, knowing good from evil, that we have ascended to a height of perfection, and thus we don't need God as much anymore in our life. You see, that's the problem when we dwell on how good we are and we forget how gracious and good God is. When we focus on what we need to be instead of focusing on what He is for us, we can buy into the Satan's lie, and thus the law can become itself an agent of sin, Romans says. As we strive for perfection instead of Christ... Thus the law is misused as an agent of evil. Now, I want to be perfect in Jesus. How many of you want to be perfect? I'm not here trying to say that doesn't matter. I want to be perfect in Christ. But I have seen in my ministry and in my life and my experience people who promote a form of perfectionism which leads God's people away from Jesus Christ. And friend, anything we teach... Anything that we hold to that places self on the throne and pulls Jesus off will put you on a road to the second death at the end of the millennium. We do not need the wrong kind of perfection in the Christian church. You see this fascination with perfection today and with people, you can see it on YouTube. You know, these people get these selfies, they see Barbie dolls, and then they try to become the human Barbie. And I think that poor girl, she would have been so much more beautiful if she just left herself alone and not gone through all that plastic surgery to look like Barbie. To be perfect. But something about it doesn't look right. It looks like narcissism. Requested by the BBC Four documentary people or administrators, Alice Roberts who's an anatomy professor, put the 3D model together for the documentary of what scientists believe would be the perfect human being. She looks like a cross between a kangaroo, a lizard, an elf, a mother, and a psychopath. In fact, she looks like Mr. Spock on the old 60s Star Trek series, but a little less benign. The proposed perfect woman pictured by modern science looks perfect for Halloween, I would propose to you today that she is more fitly named Miss Frankenstein. She's bigger and stronger than a normal woman, but she looks far inferior in my eyes compared to the not-so-perfect human woman. Now, if I had to choose between that and my dear wife, who has a few gray hairs, and they're well taken care of with some dye every now and then, you should look at our bathtub. They got dye splotches in it, you know, and it doesn't come out. It looks beautiful. I'm thinking about marketing a bathtub like that in the future. But I would rather have my beautiful wife any day than Miss Frankenstein that's supposed to be the perfect woman. Have you ever met a Christian who claims to be perfect, who talks about it all the time, and who tries to look perfect in the church, tries to show how good they are in relationship to how bad everybody else is, have you ever been that Christian in the church? I have. I have been a scary believer in the church at certain places in my life. More than not, these type of people are motivated by a sense to look good because there is a narcissism in all of us. If it is nurtured, will lead us to wrong. 
I used to fiddle with perfectionism as a young believer. I was baptized, heard a great sermon on the cross of Christ, came to know Christ, began to work all right, and then I got hooked up with a form of perfectionism that almost stole me away from Jesus. I was young and naive and I had to learn by being broken. I used to spend a whole lot of time when I was young believing that I should try to work myself into favor with God so that God would accept me so I could get through that final time of trouble that Daniel talks about and that I would be accepted in the time of trouble. And if somehow I couldn't get there, then God would throw me off. And you know how I felt in the journey? I felt like God had thrown me off already. A bad preacher, and I mean a bad preacher, had told me that God wouldn't accept me unless I was perfect. He quoted this verse, Be ye perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect. He didn't show you the other side in the Gospel of Luke where it says, Be ye merciful as your heavenly Father is merciful. Perfection is mercy in the context. He had ignored the context. So in my journey for what I thought was perfection, I organized a notebook with the help of an old Pharisee friend who was a self-made preacher as well who felt that he was well on the way to achieving his own personal perfection. He was almost there and he wanted to help me arrive. My Pharisee friend borrowed Benjamin Franklin's autobiography. Anybody read Benjamin Franklin's autobiography? Now, it's an amazing read, part of American history course. You've got to read it. But he actually strove for personal perfection. He became a vegetarian. He also developed a series of virtues that he thought would pull it off. And what was amazing to me was that his number 13 virtue, now 13 is a bad number, but his number 13 virtue was to be like Jesus and Socrates, humility. Now, I agree with Benjamin Franklin. As you feel humble. Now, it's funny. As he strived for this virtue in his life, he finally got to the place where he felt like he had humility and he felt so proud about it. And then he writes, As soon as I discovered my humility, I was proud of it. I lost humility and thus the whole thing collapsed. And he was right. I agree with him. As you feel humble, you become proud of it. And then the whole problem of imperfection sinks your ship. Ben Franklin finally gave up, and so did I on this kind of self-made perfection journey. Both of those preachers, my Pharisee friend and the other, proved to be immoral men. They were masquerading behind a face and a facade, and they were rotten to the core. They weren't following Christ, and I was a naive Christian. The ancient Jewish rabbis in the Hebrew Talmud once made this claim that when the Torah law is kept perfectly for one day, then the Messiah will come. In other words, the Messiah can't come until some good, well-believing Jewish person keeps the Torah perfectly. And when he does, then Messiah will come because that's what's necessary. Well, you know, Jesus came anyway. We've been told that when the world was at its darkest hour, when it seemed as if evil would triumph, Christ appeared and God poured a flowing flood upon the world that would never be removed until the time of the end. And so I wanted to keep the Torah law perfectly in my life so I could help Jesus come one day. But in frustration, I found that the more I tried to be perfect, the more I cried in the night because it was all about me and not about Jesus Christ. And thus my walk with God was not happening anymore. At the age of 16, I came to the point at Fletcher Academy where God wanted me to be broken, where I needed to move from my first acceptance of Christ, which was pure, I'd come into this perfectionism thing. I needed to move out of it so I could really know Jesus, really grow in Jesus, really have the change in my life that Jesus wanted for me. I learned by my failures that if I am to grow in God as a Christian, 
who pleases God at every stage of my growth, from immaturity to maturity, I must give up on myself and give in to Jesus and stop worrying about my own personal perfection. I learned that I must lose myself to find Him. I must cease my narcissistic journey to impress God and others. And this pharisaical notion that exalts me in exchange for the beauty and the glory of knowing Jesus and being found in Jesus without a righteousness of my own based on law, to use the Apostle Paul's words. I learned that I must accept the gospel of forgiveness in my life, that God forgives me, that I become pure as I come to Him as I am. And I must give up on my own ideas of what it means to improve my life. God knows the road for me. And when I came to understand this in my brokenness, that was the day... I began to go forward and grow in Christ and feel a real change in my life. Since then, I have cherished this passage from the Apostle Paul that I share with you today. Take your Bibles, turn to Philippians 3, verse 7. Paul writes, But whatever gain I had, I counted as loss. Why? For the sake of Christ. Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Jesus Christ my Lord. Paul is saying that which matters most in life is knowing Jesus, not proving something to God. Christ is the jewel in God's universe. Jesus is worthy, and Jesus is beautiful in character in every single way. His scars are perfect. You know, I don't want God to take those nail prints out of Jesus' hands because they're the most beautiful human attributes in the universe. I want to touch them. I want to feel the place in His side. His imperfections are perfect to me. Paul continues, for his sake I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as refuse in order that I might gain Christ. I will not go into the Greek word for refuse here, but every plumber will tell you what it is. That is what our righteousness is compared to his. We must give it up to gain his. And so Paul says, I suffered loss to gain. I gave up the stuff that I thought was important, looking good and and impressing God and others to be found in Christ. Pastor Michael Oxentenka will continue in just a moment. Reaching Your Heart is a listener-supported program. We step out in faith to purchase airtime on this station because we believe God is working through this radio ministry to touch tens of thousands of lives. Each of our messages is prayed over, biblical messages of hope and Bible truth. To continue, we need your support. We do not have a large ministry fundraising machine, We operate totally by faith. Call our toll-free number to make your contribution of any size today. That number is 888-244-HOPE. That's 888-244-4673. Or you can stop by our website, reachingyourheart.com. That's reachingyourheart.com. Let's get back to the broadcast now. Here is Pastor Michael Oxentenka with more of today's Reaching Your Heart. I gave up the stuff that I thought was important, looking good and and impressing God and others to be found in Christ. It was hard to do, but I did it. I suffered the loss so that I might have Christ. Look at verse 9. And be found in Him, not having a righteousness of my own. That's another way of saying not being self-righteous. And then he continues, based on law. Now the law is holy, just, and good, the Bible says. But if you want to stand before God based on your own notion that you are good and that you keep the law right, that will not suffice for the judgment day. Because all have sinned and fallen short. And so he says, I gave up on that kind of righteousness based on law. 
But that which is through faith in Christ, he seeks. The righteousness from God that depends on faith. Paul is here pointing to a righteousness that is not subjective. It's not one that I produce, but it's objective. It's one that comes from God to me and it stands true in Jesus, whether I have ups and downs in my life or not. A righteousness that is not based on Paul, he says, but on God, who gave it through Jesus to save us. A right now righteousness that's good enough for the judgment day because Jesus is good enough for the judgment day. And this righteousness is dependent in our lives upon faith. Faith in Jesus, the faith of Jesus, the faithfulness of Christ when everything else fails, including your best efforts. That is what God provides in Jesus. The Bible says that this faith in Jesus is the victory that overcomes the world. Friend, if you don't let go of Jesus, I don't care what you're struggling with. If you don't let go of Jesus, you will not be lost. You'll make it. Jesus has a way of getting you through every single failure you have ever made. In fact, you find that one time in your life where you sinned the worst, where you messed up the worst, You fall on your knees. You know where you are at? You're in the arms of Jesus. You are not cast off. But if you walk away and you don't come to Christ and you allow that to get between you and Him, it's a different story. You see, in Christ you cannot be lost. Many Christians today confuse the fruit of the gospel with the gospel. I repeat myself. Many Christians today, sincere Christians, confuse the fruit of the gospel and gospel sanctification with what the gospel really is. Let me illustrate this. Friend, the gospel is not good news about a changed life. Did you hear me? The gospel is not good news about a changed life. The gospel is the good news about Jesus, the Bible says, that changes the life. Do you see the difference? The Pharisee focused on the changed life. Paul focused on the gospel of Jesus, on Jesus himself who is the good news. And Christ changes the life. The Pharisee tried to kill Paul to preserve their notions of perfection. The word Pharisee means set apart. They were set apart for the law. And so they were willing to kill this great apostle for the law. And thus they proved that they knew nothing of God's perfection. Paul ended his journey of self-righteousness. He was a Pharisee too. He ended that journey in trying to prove something to God because God had proved himself to Paul at the cross of Calvary. And when Christ met him on the Damascus Road and knocked him off his horse, he said, Who are you, Lord? He got to know God and the brokenness of his life and the cross was revealed to Paul. So Paul's new journey had a different destination than the law, but a destination that is nonetheless towards perfection, the right kind. Paul came to know that the lawgiver is Jesus and that the law points to Jesus. And so Paul began his journey to know Jesus and his righteousness and less of Paul. Look at verse 10. That I might know him and the power of his resurrection, and may share his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, that if possible, I may attain the resurrection from the dead. Not that I have already obtained this, or am already perfect, but I press on to make it my own, because, now here's how he presses on. What does your Bible say? Because Christ Jesus has what? Has made me his own. You cannot press on if you're trying to come to a place where God will accept you. You see, when you come to Christ and you're in Christ, you are accepted right then and there. And you can press on because the one who is with you will carry you to the destination. Paul is saying in this passage, I am accepted right now because Jesus died for me. 
You know, that deserves about 100 amens out there. I'm accepted because of the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ and the truth of Jesus changes me from the inside out. I don't change me. You know, some zealous saint can't change me. My pursuit of perfection is no longer a pursuit of personal perfection in and of itself because I don't look at myself that way. My pursuit is the pursuit of the perfect one who was selfless at the cross of Calvary, who emptied himself, who went to hell for me that I might have God's heaven. And thus I pursue Jesus and I have suffered the loss of all things that I might gain Christ. Christ will not let me down. Verse 13, brethren, he says, I do not consider that I have made it my own. In other words, I'm not perfect. Now, I've not met a single person in my life who's as righteous as the Apostle Paul was. Have you? And yet I've met people who claim to be. He says, I do not consider that I have made it my own. But one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead... I press on toward the goal of the prize of the upward call of God. And here is the key phrase, in Christ Jesus. And then the admonition in verse 15, Let those of us who are mature be thus minded. And if in anything you are otherwise minded, God will reveal that also to you. Now the Greek word here for mature is the word perfection. He's saying let those of you who are perfect be thus minded. So perfection in the church is not getting to what we call perfection. Perfection really is a maturity in the Christian life where we recognize that we are imperfect and thus we must rely on Christ. And as we rely on Christ with that settled sense of our own imperfection, the Holy Spirit comes into our life. We become selfless in our living and love for others. And thus we are living out the life of Christ. Pharisaical self-righteousness is the very essence of the sinful human condition we have been told by the servant of the Lord. It is the very spirit of the pagan religions. In fact, in the book Desire of Ages, the statement is made that is profound. The doctrine that man can save himself by his own works lays at the foundation of every heathen religion. And wherever this principle is held, there is no barrier against sin. Now, I don't want to sin. What about you? How many of you want to sin? Don't raise your hand. You know? Keep the hand down. How many of you don't want to sin? I'm in that camp. Well, as soon as you start this notion of self-reliance, of legalism, of relying on your own works for God's acceptance, you are headed down a heavy road to being the worst kind of sinner. So easy for us. It's the human condition to prove ourselves to God by changing our lives and manufacturing a religious response to God that is not God's righteousness. I find it amazing in the Old Testament. God told Moses to build an altar. He told him to build on level ground in Exodus 20. Don't make steps up to it, he says, lest your nakedness be exposed. Why? Because all the altars of the ancient world were built at the top of big mounds with steps. And the idea was you climb up a pyramid to the top of the pyramid and sacrifice to God because you have to rise and climb to God. And so God was saying right there at Sinai when he came down and gave the law, don't make an altar like that for me. Make it on level ground, no steps, plain stones. Don't make it look pretty. Don't carve on it. Don't use your righteousness, your works, your efforts to make that altar look good because in that simple, humble altar where level earth is found, I will come to you and there my name will be remembered. Friend, Jesus died in a place like that. He died in a humble place. And no one built that for him. That place was a place that God's sovereignty had established. And so we come to God on level ground in humility. 
God's Spirit strives for us to be broken, to suffer the loss of all things in this world, so that we, like Paul, might gain Christ and be found in Christ. In the Gospel, God's righteousness is not something we achieve. God's righteousness is someone we receive. You hear that? In Romans 1-3, Paul says that it is the Gospel concerning God's Son that saves us. The Gospel that comes from God. In fact, the book of Romans is the Gospel of God. The name God is used more in Romans than any other epistle of Paul. The gospel that comes from God is the gospel about Jesus Christ. It's the good news of Jesus who was revealed at the end of the times for our sake. God's righteousness is a living, breathing person who died for us, who will live forever as our great high priest. And God is not looking for a better reason to save you and me than Jesus. And thus we must be in Jesus without our own righteousness to have His righteousness. That's why we're baptized into Christ. Well, that will conclude the first portion of the Kingdom Confession. Join us again next time when we complete this broadcast. And thanks for listening. Are you fascinated by the prophecies of Revelation? Have you wished you could understand prophecy better? Do the symbols of the Bible's last book baffle you? God's Last Altar Call is just the book you need. Mark Finley clearly explains the events soon to unfold in this world. Be sure to call today for your copy, 888-244-HOPE. That's 888-244-4673. The book is yours for a donation of any size. Thank you for your generosity. Your donations keep this ministry on the air. Again, thank you for your support. 888-244-HOPE. That's 888-244-4673. If you would like to listen to this message again, it is available for you at reachingyourheart.com. Once again, reachingyourheart.com. There are many messages available along with this broadcast as well. Thanks for listening today. And as always, we want you to know that we do pray that God is reaching your heart. General Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.